0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Joining us now, of course, Chris Mannix. Chris, happy Independence Day. How was your weekend? It was good, guys. Pretty good. Awesome. Hey, what do you think about this finals we have on our hands? Well, I mean, I'm waiting to see exactly
2: what the health status of Giannis Tendekupo is. I mean, that's everything, right? I mean, you know, upgrade to questionable earlier today, you know, opens the door a crack for him to be out there. But my thing is, even if he is out there, what does he look like? I mean, is he the same explosive player that we saw in the Eastern conference playoffs or does he become more of a jump shooter and in a way a decoy in a series like this, which I guess can be beneficial at times, but, you know, it, it's not going to be overly useful to Milwaukee because Giannis is not a very good jump shooter. So uh, I, you know, I, that, that's everything. Like we can talk about Drew Holiday and his impact and, you know, the young players in Phoenix, how they react to the pressure of the moment. But to me, everything is based on Giannis's health. If he's 80%, you know, 85%, Milwaukee's got a great chance to win. If he's not, I don't think they have the firepower to get past Phoenix.
0: So it's not really a fair question for you, Chris, because you're not a doctor. But I, I wonder what the odds are that he, he will, will feel good enough to be effective. I, how do you, you don't know, but it just seems like you're, like you said, that's everything here.
2: Yeah, I mean, how they've been upgrading him – from doubtful to questionable, certainly suggests that at some point, whether it's game one, two, or three, he's going to give it a go and be back out there. But, I mean, guys, we we saw that leg twisted. Like that's not something that ordinarily would, you know, you get past in the span of three or four days. Just doesn't doesn't heal like that. Um, and you know, I'm sure you know his ligaments were stretched, that his knee was bruised in in ways we're not going to hear about right now. Um, you know, and as much as he's going to try to get out there and give it his all, like if you're Phoenix, you know, whoever Giannis is guarding, you, uh, you attack. Uh, you attack him with. Uh, on the other end of the floor, you know, you don't care if he throws up, you know, jump shots. You know, just don't let him get to the basket. And if he can't explode, that's a problem. So it's, it really is everything with this series. Just how, if he's able to play and once he gets out there, how effective is he going to be?
1: Talk about, excuse me, talk about the Chris uh, Paul story, Uh, Chris. I mean, what can he do for his legacy with a series victory?
2: You know, it's subjective, but I would think he cements his status as a top five point guard of all time with a championship. That's long been the missing piece on his resume. He's got everything else, the all-NBA appearances, all-star appearances, uh, you know, assist numbers. I mean, he has been consistently one of the top three point guards in the NBA for most of his career, but You know, that that deep playoff run outside of that one year in Houston uh, when they went to the conference finals has largely eluded him. And he's been known more for the 3-1 loss that he had as a member of the Clippers, the fact that those Clippers teams for years largely underachieved, despite having, you know, Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan all in their primes. Um, So I I think a championship would would cement him as one of those top playmakers uh, of all time. And and look, I, I think Chris the last couple of years, has really padded his resume in, in, in multiple ways. I mean, going to Oklahoma City, not griping about it, and leading the Thunder to not just the playoffs, but the sixth seed in the playoffs, one game away, minutes away in game seven for potentially winning that series, and then to come to Phoenix and take a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in more than a decade and take them to the NBA Finals. I mean, he, he's really doing some remarkable things in age 35 and age 36, and, and that, I think, will be reflected when you start to look back at his career and say, you know, where does he place among the all-time greats?
0: If Giannis were himself, how does the series? How are the matchups like in this series, course versus...
2: You know, it, I, it, it's hard to say because the Suns, you know, go big with Aiton at the five, and then it's Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder. Largely, they like to, you know, maintain as much versatility as possible. Um, You know, Milwaukee, with or without Giannis, is going to try to play some bully ball. You saw them do that through Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis in the last two games, the Atlanta series. You would figure if Giannis is limited in terms of his explosiveness, you'd want to put him in the post as often as possible and let him use that size and length to try to get to the paint that way and not rely on, you know, transition, moves off the dribble, things like that. Uh, And and then we'll see if Phoenix can, can body up and man up or do we have to, like, dust off Frank Kaminsky or any of the other big bodies that are on that son's bench. So that, that's probably Brooklyn's one clear advantage of Brooklyn. Milwaukee's one clear advantage uh, in this series. But, uh, you know, if Giannis is, is out there on one leg, it, it's just not going to be good enough.
1: Seems to me an opportunity for maybe somebody like Chris Middleton or, or Drew Holiday comes to mind, of course. You know, one of uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's got a uh, excuse me a great deep team. But one of those guys, if, if they could go supernova and really take a series over, maybe they're not capable of it. But, you know, w- what would have to happen if Milwaukee were to be, be competitive without Giannis?
2: Well, you'd need multiple guys to have those supernova-type series. And, look, Middleton was great in the games that Giannis missed. Um, of that conference finals. I thought Drew Holiday was excellent, especially in that game game six defensively against Trey Young. I mean, Trey, I think one of his worst shooting nights of the playoffs in that game six, Drew Holiday, was the biggest reason why. But the margin for error becomes so minuscule without a healthy Giannis in the lineup. I mean, they could have Middleton go off, Holiday go off, and they'd still get beat by 10 maybe if the Suns all play uh, up to their level. They're probably not going to be able to bully the center position as much as they did Against the Hawks because Aiton is such a defensive presence uh, in that paint. He's the biggest reason that the Suns were a top ten defensive team during the year, and they're number two defensively uh, in the playoffs. So I just it, it's just such an uphill it's an uphill climb until we know exactly what Giannis's help is going to be and what he's able to give uh, in these games. But you know if he's if he's out or hobbled, it's Holiday, it's Middleton, maybe it's Pat Connaughton that has to have a big game. You're going to have to get two or three guys that play out of their minds to stay with this Suns this team.
0: Chris, uh, let me roll a live hand grenade across the floor at you. Uh, who's the better player, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell?
2: Uh, you know, Devin Booker's more advanced, and that's maybe a cop-out way of looking at it. I mean, Booker, Booker is what Mitchell's likely to become, if not better. I think Booker's better right now, but Mitchell, I think, has a chance to surpass him as he kind of grows into his talents. I remember Booker spent so many years with people, including myself, calling him like empty calories. I mean, I was in Boston when he went for 70 in a game, the Suns lost. So like he has been, you know, he has been putting up extraordinary scoring numbers for a long time, but it's only this season uh, that he's been able to put it together in a winning way. Um, You know, Mitchell's had the benefit of winning earlier in his career, but you know, he's still taking some of the lumps that Devin Booker took uh, a year or two ago. So I think that I think Booker probably the better player right now. But if you're playing out the next five, six, seven years, who would you take? You know, there's certainly a pretty strong argument to take Mitchell.
1: Chris, last week we asked you about Mike Conley and from a Jazz perspective and the importance in retaining him. I want to ask you about Mike Conley again, but this time from an overall NBA perspective. What is the market going to be like for him?
2: Well, I think it could be pretty good, and. You know, all eyes right now are on New York and what the Knicks do. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is going to be pushing to get as many veterans on that roster as possible. I think the Knicks, you know, really were exposed in the playoffs for not having, you know, that extra playmaker, an extra score on that team. I mean, they beat teams in the regular season because oftentimes they just played harder than. them. But in the playoffs, everybody plays hard. And that's when your talent or lack thereof is exposed. The Knicks have a bunch of cap space available. They've proven that they're not the same old dysfunctional Knicks. Tibbs is an excellent coach. Um, They're going to be in the market, a player for every top point guard out there. I think ideally they'd get their hands on Chris Paul. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, Phoenix would have to really blow it for Chris Paul to walk and go to New York. Kyle Lowry is certainly going to be out there. Maybe he's a cheaper, more short-term alternative, you know, for the Knicks. But, I think Mike Conley's definitely going to be on their radar, and if he is, you know, all the Knicks have to do is be the one team that offers an obscene amount of money to, to go and get him. Uh, there'll be other teams out there, certainly uh, in the mix for him, but uh, you know, they, the you know, three thousand pound elephant in the room is, is New York because they are determined to get a playmaker this off season, and there's only a few top guys available.
0: How detrimental do you think it would be, Chris, for the Jazz if we were, to, if they were to lose his services? I mean, because they had all this momentum this year, and, yeah, they had the disappointing loss against the Clippers, but uh, Mike couldn't play in that series. What kind of blow would that be?
2: I mean, it wouldn't send you back to square one, but it would send you back to square three, if that makes any sense. I mean, they you wouldn't be a contender anymore. Simple as that. You know, the Jazz, because of cap uh, issues, can't go out and just sign somebody else. Uh, they'd have to get cheap replacements, you know, for Mike Conley, and that's just not going to work. Mike Conley, for the last two years, you know, when the Jazz were successful, whether it's the regular season or in different playoff series, Mike has been a huge reason why. I mean, he's when I look at the landscape of players and teams that must sign that player, Mike's up there with Chris Paul in terms of guys that their respective teams have to sign or else their window will snap shut immediately. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think the Jazz window, at least temporarily, will snap shut in terms of winning at the highest level if Mike Conley leaves.
1: You mentioned Chris Paul. He's already made it known he's not going to opt in for the final year of his contract, making him a free agent. You also mentioned, uh, uh, of course, the Knicks, and and we've seen the rumors there. Does the outcome of the finals, will that have an impact on whether he stays or goes?
2: I mean, maybe. Maybe. Um, I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Chris doesn't opt in. I mean, there are some some mechanics here that you know could lead to a more lucrative contract. He opts in, then extends for two years. Uh, that's certainly possible, and that can get him to that hundred million dollar mark that he's probably targeting in terms of where to get to. Yeah, I, I look. I think Chris wants to stay in Phoenix. I mean, when 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 Oklahoma City was looking to deal him, and, and they, they, they to their credit, the Thunder created a partnership with Chris Paul. You know, he wanted Phoenix. He wanted Monty Williams, who he's worked with before. Monty's not going anywhere. He wanted Devin Booker. Devin's not going anywhere. All those young players on that team, whether it's Aiden, Bridges, a handful of others, um, you know, they're still going to be there. They're still going to be part of that team going forward. So, you know, this Suns team has a chance not just to be in the finals this year win a championship, but do it again next year at that. And I think Chris would want to be a part of that. The other factor is, too, like his family's in L.A., uh, he's he's made it known at various times he wants to play close to that area, so it's just a hop, skip, and a jump by a plane to to get to to Los Angeles. It just it feels like all the the dominoes are in place that unless Phoenix really screws this up by kind of lowballing him, uh, that that uh, Chris Paul will be back in in Phoenix.
0: I know this is a little bit like being uh, blindfolded and chucking darts, but uh, where do you rank Chris Paul on the all-time greats as far as point guards go?
2: Yeah, I think he's top five, as I said. I don't, um, or at least top five, six, seven at this point before the championship.
0: Um, Who do you have, you have know, ahead 16, of him, Chris?
2: I Magic is ahead of him. Isaiah Thomas is ahead of him. And then you start getting into that kind of John Stockton. Um, and I'm, I'm blanking on some of the top names out there right now. You, I, I guess I don't really go back. I mean, if you really want to go into the championship well, you go to Bob Cousy and guys like that, but... You know, it's no insult to Bob Cousy to say he's not talent-wise on the level of the guys that we're talking about. So, I mean, look, he might already be on that list anyway, but, you know, I look at Magic and, you know, maybe Stockton and definitely Isaiah and, you know, a handful of others that are right there in that mix. And, and Chris, I really do believe that if they win a championship this year, there really won't be any argument that Chris Paul is the top five point guard of all time.
0: Every time, Chris, this this conversation comes up between Jake and me, and I sing the praises of Magic Johnson, and he says Magic Johnson's not the best point guard of all time. It's LeBron James. That's what he throws at me. Help me. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, LeBron, as despite not
2: really ever playing the position per se, yeah, as far as guys with the ball in their hands and creating for others, I mean, he's as good as they get. I mean, how much criticism did LeBron take early in his career for you know constantly finding the open man? We used to kill him for that and say like Jordan wouldn't have passed it. Kobe wouldn't have passed it. We we killed LeBron for, for that stuff. But no, nah, I mean, look, if, if you want to look at expand it to, to, to that, I mean, LeBron, you know, in a weird way, Scottie Pippen kind of fits that mold as well because those Bulls teams didn't have traditional point guards. They had Paxson and Kerr as as you know the de facto players at that position, but they were more shooters than anything else. You know, LeBron is kind of cut out of that Pippen mold. Uh, he's enhanced it to the nth degree, but um, he certainly ranks up there as a, as a top playmaker because of what he does.
1: Did I articulate your thought on Magic? I was just, you know, somebody back in the day said, hey, Magic's a point guard, even though he's (laughs) 6'9. Where somebody back in the day said, oh, LeBron's a small forward. And yet they both, as Chris articulated there, played with the ball in their hands, create for others. Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to argue that Magic is a point guard, then you have to argue that LeBron's a point
0: guard. And, you know, uh, wait, Chris, my argument back to that is. is that uh, the the Lakers traded Norm Nixon because he was their point guard and Magic was their point guard moving forward, and so that's my argument that he was a legitimate point guard. But I don't want to get you in the middle of our fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Magic,
0: you know, by definition
2: played point guard, but I mean, he, he shifted occasionally, and we know, we all know, famously in the finals before he played center at times, but you know, he was virtually every single year the point guard. Of that team. Whereas LeBron, while oftentimes he didn't play with traditional point guards, whether it was Mario Chalmers in Miami or Carnally with Alex Caruso and Dennis Schroeder and guys like that, um, has traditionally been a front court player. Uh, but if you want to say, as far as playmakers go, take the point guard position, now call them top playmakers, you put LeBron and Pippin in that category for sure.
1: Chris, thank you as always. Uh, enjoy the finals. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated, um, really fascinating stuff about Chris Paul. He thinks Chris Paul is going to stay in Phoenix. That is bad news, in my opinion, for the Utah Jazz. If you're a Jazz fan and want to retain Mike Conley, root for Chris Paul to go to New York. Hmm. I know that goes against what you're thinking as a Suns fan, but if you're I'm a Jazz fan, fan stuff. if you're a Jazz fan, you uh, want that 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 hole plugged. That position filled because yeah. he could go and be the starting point guard, playmaker on a playoff team in the Big Apple. Go, they have enough money to sign him. Wouldn't have to do a sign and trade. That'd be tough. Who else do you think are the major threats to lure him? I'd away? have to look at the I'd have to look at the cap figures better. It, well, the
0: names you hear are like the Knicks and uh, the and Dallas. And
1: for the Lakers, is that realistic? But see, to go to the Lakers, it'd either have to be a sign in trade or it would have to be a mid level exception. And I think Conley's going to sign more for more than the mid level Mm. exception. I don't think he's, unless he truly just wants to go play a role on a championship team, he's not going mid level. What's the exception going to be, do you think? Uh, Similar to what it was last year. What favors get? He got the mid level last year, Mm. right? 10? Wasn't Isn't that about right? Something like that. I'd have to go look, but I think you'll probably get more than that. Mm-hmm. I, again, unless he truly wants to just take whatever to go play a role. We on. talking standard or room? Uh standard, not the luxury tax one. The standard, standard
0: is projected uh, for this next season to be exactly ten million dollars,
1: mm. and luxury uh, the would be less. So. So I
0: wonder. I really, man, you wonder what Mike's thinking. And maybe he doesn't even know yet because he hasn't seen the
1: numbers. He hasn't gone through the process. Yeah. Again, you know. Although, I mean, that's probably going on. Well, his priority today might not be his priority tomorrow. That's the brilliance of free agency. Maybe some, we chatted about this earlier. I mean, maybe some team brings something to the table that Mike goes, oh, I did my didn't value that. I mean, uh, yes, uh, the the frozen custard in Salt Lake is delicious, so I'm going <laughs> to... You mean he doesn't,
0: he's not going to say, I want to go play for my college coach and
1: finish the business that we left undone? In that case, that was Gordon Hayward's priority. <laughs> All right. And Boston, by the way, the interesting example for you to bring up, they had the cap room to sign him, thus... Boston didn't have to compensate Utah with anything, mm-hmm. even a, uh, a, a trade exception, which they could have done for nothing, just to be nice. So you think if the Knicks
0: can't lure Chris Ball away, that they are going to be more willing to pay Mike Conley a bunch more?
1: Well, you heard what Chris said. Thibodeau wants veterans, which isn't a surprise because he's that kind of coach. He wants veterans he can he, really grind out. He wants veterans that so he can— Win as soon
0: as possible, and then he's not going to last long anyway because he's going to be out of there. So who cares what the franchise looks yeah, like? Yeah, he, he
1: wants Mike to come in and play forty minutes a night, eighty-two games a year. <laughs> Is 40 that what minutes Mike wants? I don't know. That's that's the big question, right? Sven brought that up on the text line.
0: He said essentially, does Mike want to go somewhere where he has to be? And a major, major cog car and carry that extra responsibility? Or does he want to go somewhere where he can
1: just sort of fit in and feel good? Stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.